This is week seven on developing a strong spirit. It's hard for me to put into words and communicate to you the importance of developing your spirit because it's gonna take a strong spirit for you to walk out God's plan for your life. But now remember, we're not talking about you being strong in yourself. When you develop your spirit, it enables you to keep your eyes focused on Jesus when all hell is breaking loose in your life. There's a place in God. You've been designed for this. God has blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, and he's given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. When you got born again, you're recreated, or I should say this, your brand new, born again, spirit man, which is who you are, has within it everything that you'll ever need. And as you decide, as we've looked at this, remember, we've been talking, gosh, this is week seven, I think. So we've been talking for six weeks on the importance of developing a strong spirit, but we've also been talking about for several weeks the importance of nourishing your spirit man. We said this, that you could physical growth and strength really parallels spiritual growth and strength. So there's different aspects, and we've been talking a lot about having a proper diet. There is only one thing on the planet that will nourish your spirit, man, and that is God's Word. God's Word's the only thing. So remember this, there is an enemy now, he's defeated, right? He's been stripped of all of his power. He can't overpower you, but he is, and he operates as an outlaw, so he doesn't play by the rules, so you have to use your authority to keep him under control. But here's the thing. He will want to separate you from feeding on this, right? If you did not eat a physical meal since Sunday you would probably not be very strong right now. If you didn't eat for a month, you'd be really weak. And a, a physical body could probably go about 40 days, and then after that, starvation sets in because now your body needs to eat or you're going to die. The systems will shut down. But many Christians are not feeding themselves consistently, right? If you... I had a trainer tell me this once. The perfect physical diet is where you are never hungry or never full. So you're, and you're eating certain things at certain times. So if you were to see what some of these NFL athletes eat, it would, it's just crazy how much they eat. But how calculated many times it is. So... It's, it's their feeding several times a day. Well, I'm here to tell you, this is why God is saying, listen, I want you to meditate in my word day and night. I want you constantly feeding upon my word because you need to be nourished, right? So let's get into this because now I want to really start talking about the second aspect of this and it's exercise. Remember four, 1 Timothy chapter 4, Right? Actually, go ahead and jump over there real quick. 
1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, and if you could pull it up in the Amplified Classic, Paul, writing to this young pastor, Timothy, he says, if you lay all these instructions before the brethren, you'll be a worthy steward and a good minister of Christ Jesus. And he says this, ever nourishing your own self on the truths of the faith and of the good Christian instruction which you have closely followed. Nourish yourself, right? So we spent a lot of time on that. But then he goes on in verse 7, and he starts talking about exercise. And he says this, but refuse and avoid irreverent legends, profane and impure and godless fictions, mere grandmother's tales and silly myths. I mean, we have this portal in all of our houses. Many of us have multiple ones. We even carry these portals with us that have the ability to to give you all of this. Godless fictions, impure, all this nonsense that is meant to distract you, right? But it says here, and you're to express your disapproval of them. And then it goes on to say, train yourself towards godliness, piety, keeping yourself spiritually fit. So not only nourish, but you need to exercise, it's not enough just to eat right. You've got to exercise if you're going to get stronger. It takes, we've said this every time, I'm going to say it again, it takes spiritual strength to lay hold of the blessings of God for your life. They've all been, they're already yours, you own them, but you've got to possess them with your faith, which really is not your faith, right? It's the faith of God which comes as you hear the word of God. So we must, we, we need spiritual strength to grab onto them. Because what we do, if we're not strong, we'll start looking at things that are going on on the outside and we'll start thinking it's not working out and we'll let go of it and say, well, I guess that doesn't work. But when you're spiritually strong, you'll never let it go because you're not moved by what's going on on the outside. I can't stress this enough. A strong spirit will enable you to, be, to, to literally stay focused, keep your eyes on Jesus, draw from his leadings on the inside and not be moved by anything on the outside. Do you know that we're not even to know each other after the flesh? We're to know each other after the spirit. We are to be so spirit of God-minded, so spirit-minded that that's how we walk. This is, this is a, a must to walk in the Zoe life of God. You know, I was, I was sharing with the men, and boy, I don't really have time to go through this, but I'm going to say this. We started, we've been talking for the last several weeks on being led by the Spirit of God. One big aspect of it is, is living with a clear conscience. You have to keep your conscience clear. Why? Because being led by the Spirit of God, being led by the inside, the spirit of man 
is the lamp or the candle of the Lord searching all the inward parts of the belly. That's Proverbs 20, 27. In other words, God will enlighten your spirit with his word, and that's how he will lead you. God will never, ever, ever lead you from the outside. He doesn't talk to your mind. He talks to your spirit. God is not into surfacey stuff. He's heart to heart, spirit to spirit. He's all in with you. He loves you. He believes in you. And he wants to live intimately with you. So he will always communicate with your spirit. So what happens to a person, they start feeding on the word of God. They start meditating in God's word. Saying it over and muttering it. Saying it over and over. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, you're in the middle of a bunch of stuff, but you keep speaking it, right? You keep speaking God's word. You hold fast to the profession of your faith. What happens is the Holy Spirit will open the word of God up to you, up to your spirit man on the inside. And the entrance or the opening of his word gives light and it enlightens your spirit. So on the inside, we call it an unction, an inward knowing. We just know that I need to move this way or do this or do that. Never, never move by the outside because see, sometimes on the outside, it will make all the sense in the world to go this direction, but the Holy Spirit's going, no, go this direction, right? So he will, he will enlighten your spirit. That's how he leads you. He bears witness with your spirit that you're his child. He leads you that way. Satan can't talk to your spirit, right? Satan has no ability. He can't touch who you are spiritually, right? So he always, we know the way he works, he throws thoughts in your mind over and over and over and over again. Thoughts that are contrary to the word of God. Always. Now, don't think they're always, they don't always sound evil. See, what is, what is, what is not God is, is anything that he's not leading you to do. So it's real clear in the word of God. We have the written word. We know if we're violating that. There's also the revealed word of God. You know, if the Lord's, if, if the Lord started talking to me, about pastoring in Omaha, Nebraska. And I'm like, well, that's awesome, but I'll tell you what, I'll pastor, but I'll do it, I'll do it in Kansas City. Or, you know, that's awesome, but listen, I'll, I'll do that, but I'm going to do that in Iowa and not Nebraska. That I'd be missing it. Oh, come on, Pastor. Council Bluffs is literally a few miles away, a few miles away. All the people that God would plant in Omaha, Nebraska, right here, they would drive. I mean, come on, we have people that come from Council Bluffs to come to this church. So they would drive from Omaha there. No, they wouldn't. The only, the only people that would come, I'd have to work real hard. Because ministry would be really hard because I'd be working and God's not working. Why? Because I'm not where he wants me to be. So in other words, if I would go do that, it might seem like a great thought. 
hey, pastor, I've got this building. We're just going to give you this building and we're going to fund it. Man, there's a million dollars in the bank. Go for it. Just start. Just go for it. Right. Forget this starting in a school. Right. Where you have more people on your worship team when you start than you have in the in your in your congregation. For, you know, when when your children's ministry is in a hallway of a middle school. No, 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 no. Just over here. You got everything. It sounds like a good thought, but it's not. So you, how, do you, how do you discern the word of God discerns that? The Bible says it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It divides asunder what is your soul and what is your spirit. It will tell you what's God and what's not. So in other words, I have to be led from the inside. But if I don't nourish my spirit... And if I don't exercise my spirit, I won't be strong enough to hold on to some things. So this is why we're talking about this. So let me get back and let me finish this thought. So the voice of your spirit is your conscience. Okay? The voice of your mind is reason. Your mind is all, it's looking at all the natural stuff and it's reasoning what to do. So if you start to go, okay, the Lord, you're sitting in church and the Lord tells you, okay, you've been saving for three years and you have $1,500 in your account and you're saving it and you're believing God for something and you're saving it and saving it. All of a sudden, you're just minding your own business. You know, Pastor Mark is, is doing his thing on the crybaby saxophone. And all of a sudden, on the inside, it's like, I want you to sow that, all that. I want you to empty your account. Just sow it. Immediately, your mind will go, wait, time out. It took me three years or whatever. I, I can't do that. Right? So, so your mind, you, got, you have to renew your mind to the word so it comes in line because your conscience might be going, yeah, I know that's God. Right? And so many times we don't do things and we wonder why, gosh, you know, I'm struggling. When all the time God wants, he's trying to lift you up to a different level. And this could be in, in anything. So this is why... The conscience, the voice of our spirit, how my spirit expresses itself is so important. I've got reason is the voice of my mind. Feelings are the voice of my physical body, right? Just, just hit your, you know, have you ever hit your hand with a hammer? Have you ever, have you ever smacked into something, right? And you just want to, because that feelings. So your conscience, though, can be cluttered. Do you guys know what clutter is, right? Yeah. Clutter. If you, don't, if you, if you want to know what clutter is, it's that drawer in your kitchen where you just kind of throw everything in. Right? It could, be, it could be your garage. It could be your desk. I mean, whatever it is. Have you ever noticed how easily things get cluttered? Have you ever noticed how good you feel if you ever take the time to unclutter things. You just kind of like, this is awesome. Right? Well, it's the same way spiritually. So, 
every time the Holy Spirit is leading you to do something and you say no by not doing it, you're cluttering yourself. And what happens is you become less sensitive to the Holy Spirit. So you will see Christians who literally are walking around with so many blind spots because their spirit man is cluttered. And this is why this happens. The more cluttered you get, the, the more hardened you become. So you're hardened. You're, you're, you're not doing what God is leading you and guiding you to do, but you, many times you won't even know it. And you'll always be able to tell. This is how you tell. It's by how much your eyes are on yourself versus how much your eyes are on him and eyes are on others. If you're uncluttered, your eyes are fixed on him and fixed on others. And it's not on you. All of a sudden, life is not about you anymore. Your, your, your whole life is about sowing into him because you're so thankful and sowing into others. And you become super sensitive in your spirit. If you clutter yourself, you get more self-centered. Right? And, and this is what happens. So, so keep this in mind. This is why we're talking about a strong spirit. This happens to all of us. This is why we need each other. I, I, need, I need to have Pastor Dave and Leanne. I need to be able to look at their life. And, 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 and the Lord speaks to me about, about me as I look at their life. Right? And, and the Lord will bring people around you that will help you stay in the right place. Because remember, Satan's going to try to get you, he's going to really try to get you to not eat. Right? But if you're eating the word, then he's going to really, he's going to try to stop that. But he's also going to really try to get you, get, keep you away from anything that's exercising your spirit. Because nourishment and exercise equals growth and spiritual strength. So this is very big. So let's talk about this a little bit. Exercise. See, it's going to take spiritual strength to lay hold of the blessing of God the second thing we mentioned, it's going to take spiritual strength to resist Satan, to resist him. I resist you in Jesus' name. You take your hands off my body. You take your hands off my finances. You get out of my business. You get out of the ministry. Whatever it is, you have to resist him. But in order to resist the devil, you've got to humble yourself, which is going to take a strong spirit. Amen. To where you're living literally fully persuaded. I don't care what it looks like on the outside. I don't care what the report in the natural says. I'm fully persuaded that what God said already over me is the truth. The absolute truth. So exercise. We went through a couple different translations. I'll read a couple of them again. At the end of verse 7, it says, Train yourself towards godliness and then it talks about keeping yourself spiritually fit. That's in the Amplified Classic, which brings out some Greek words there. The easy-to-read translation, it says, teach yourself to be devoted to God. The ESV version says, train yourself for godliness. 
The Good News Bible, which is a paraphrase, says keep yourself in training for a godly life. Keep yourself. God's Word paraphrase says this, train yourself to live a godly life. And for all of those guys that grew up like me in the Baptist church, the New American Standard Bible says this, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Now remember, you don't become strong by just hearing the word. You become strong as you hear it, and then you do it. It's the doer of the word, okay? You can eat good spiritually and stay weak if you don't exercise or use your faith, right? And you'll be able to tell. We said this, you'll be able to tell if you're a hearer or if you're a doer. Here is the litmus test. You'll be able to tell, and you could tell by your reaction to the storm that just came in your life. How you react to the circumstance will tell you if you're just a hearer if you're, or if you're a doer. If you're a doer, you'll run to the battle. If you're a hearer, you'll kind of shrink back. If you're a doer of the word, you're going to talk to your mountain about your God. If you're a hearer only, you're going to talk to anybody who will listen about your mountain. Right? So there's ways you can tell. So the first thing we started talking about, we're going to try to go through about six exercises. These are six main exercises that you can do to build spiritual strength. Okay, there's some really core exercises you can do to build physical strength. We're talking about exercises to build spiritual strength. The first one is walking in the spirit. And we, we just briefly got into this last week. Turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Galatians 5, 16, it says this, This I say then, walk in the spirit, and this is talking about your human spirit, right? We know this because if you look at the context, the Holy Spirit never wars against your flesh. But your human spirit, you, you're always at war with your flesh. Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. How do you not fulfill the lust of the flesh? You walk in the spirit. You live out of your spirit, man. And you got to train yourself to do this. So now jump over. I'm gonna, we, we talked about that briefly. You could go into that last, last week's sermon. We talked a little bit more about that. But I want to jump into another scripture about this. Go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 27. Just believe with me for utterance tonight because I believe God wants to impart some things into your life to set you on a course to where maybe we could get more, more focused and more calculated so that you can grow up and build strength quickly. Right? It's so very important. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. It says, To whom God would make known what is the riches 
of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. What is the mystery? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So let's break this down just a little bit. To whom God would make known. This word would in the Greek means God desired to make known to you this mystery. He longed for the day where he could reveal to your heart this is the mystery. It's been hidden, but now it's revealed. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. But that word hope, it literally means the expectation of glory. Because Christ is in you, you could expect to see the glory of God in your future. Isn't that amazing? So in verse 26, Paul, he states, Colossians 1.26, he states that the mystery has been manifested to us as New Testament believers. And then he goes into it in verse 27. But now Paul is saying this, that God not only wants you to know the mystery, but he also wants you to know the riches of the glory of this mystery. And the reason why it goes into this is because you got to realize there is more than just a surface understanding to this mystery. Those of us who are word people who hear this, it's like, got it, pastor, Christ in me. I understand. I know the mystery now. Well, he wants you to know what is the riches of the glory of the mystery. It's more than just a surface understanding. He wants to take you deep into this. So in other words, you and I must seek the fullness of this revelation. And there is a lot there. And there is a lot there that will teach you how to walk in the Spirit as you learn this mystery. Christ in you, what does that refer to? It's referring to the very indwelling presence of Christ. In other words, it's talking about the new birth. Right? Through the Holy Spirit in you. Christ in you also refers to the indwelling presence of Christ which is his word. Okay? Not just, not just the new birth, but the very indwelling presence of the anointed word of God in you. Jesus is the word of God. The more of the word that we have in our lives, the more confidence we will have towards our future. This is what this is saying. The more of the word of God that you have in your life, the more confidence you will have in your future. If you are worried about your future, this is the core. If you're worried about your future, it's just revealing to you that your word level in your heart is low. Because if you want to be excited about your future, listen, you will think, well, if just this would happen, or if just that, if I could just make more money, if I could just get a better job, if my marriage could just be better, then, man, I could be happy and my future would be great. No, 
No, no, no. Let me, let me just put it right down. You want to get excited about your future? It comes one way. Get more word in your heart. And it automatically will happen. Because why? You will start peering into the mystery. It's Christ in you. It's the, it's the confident, joyous expectation that every day of my future, I will see and experience the very glory of God. Because I'm going to be laying hold of everything he's provided for me by his grace. God puts grace in you to get glory out of you. If grace was a tree, glory would be the fruit. It's the very presence of God. What brings confidence to our lives, according as we dig into this, what brings confidence to our lives is not the new birth alone, but the richness of the word of God dwelling in our hearts. Boy, you gotta, this is so important. The richness of the fact that the living word of God dwells in me. Because when it's dwelling in you richly, it can't stay in you, right? Do you know what I'm saying? It, it will stay in you, but it will come out. It'll start manifesting out in the form of your speech, your actions. In other words, as you grow in this mystery, it'll take you from being a hearer to being a doer. This is so important that we get this. Now we're ready for verse 28. Whom we preach. This word preach means whom we announce. We're announcing this. Warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom. Why? That we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. I'm announcing to you tonight that the word of God not only in the new birth with Jesus dwelling in you in the presence of the Holy Spirit, but no, not only that, but now the Word of God is dwelling in you richly in all wisdom. And we're going to keep announcing this and announcing it and teaching it and teaching it until you start seeing it. And then all of a sudden now, it will mature you. It will grow you up. It will strengthen your spirit. We need to teach this a lot. Because this is what Paul was talking about. Verse 29, whereunto I also labor, striving. Now this word striving in the Greek, it's like, it's, it's striving like an athlete strives to reach the finish line. It's striving like an NFL football player with the ball is striving to reach the end zone. That's what this Greek word means. It's not just a casual thing. No, I am, I am going after it. That's how I run my race. I am striving. I don't let little piddly things mess with me. See, if you're not striving to finish, this is saying we strive. Whereunto also I labor, striving according to his working. This Greek word means according to his effectual working. God is not working in you in a general sense. He is working effectually in you. What does that mean? Whatever you have going on in your life right now, God is like, if you have sickness in your body, God is all about, wait a minute, time out. 
we are going to effectually work to get this out of your life. If there's anything in your life that does not look like what, his, what Zoe life looks like, God will effectually work in you. That's how come we got to stop saying no to him. We can't be distracted. Oh, I, I'm working too many hours this week. Oh, i got to focus on my, you know, my new fishing boat. Or whatever it is. Or here's the big one. Oh, man. I just got so much junk going on in my life. I don't know what I'm going to do. Right? Well, know this. Man, if you can get your eyes on Christ, he'll start effectually working. Right? And you'll start striving to the finish line. So what is your finish line tonight? Is it a doctor sitting across the table from you going, don't know how this happened, but, but whatever's been attacking your body is gone. Right? Debt eradicated. What is it? Right? No more depression. No more anxiety. Whereunto I also labor, striving, working according to, according to his working, his effectual working, which worketh. In me mightily. This word mightily is the Greek word dunamis. We're talking he works in me mightily. He is effectively working in me miraculously. The dunamis power of Almighty God is he wants to unleash that against everything in your life that does not look like Zoe life. But that's why we must exercise. In order for that to happen, I've got to walk out of my human spirit, not out of my flesh. Okay? Paul has put all his labor into the perfection of the lives of the people. How did he do that? Paul did this by teaching God's word, which is the only thing that could bring a believer into a maturity. What burns in my heart as a pastor, and I don't even understand, I'm probably, I mean, I've got a little bit of revelation on it, it's amazing, but what burns in my heart as a pastor is to see Christ formed in you. That's what burns in my heart. So that no matter what you face in life, you dominate it. Because you're never moved by the outside, you're only moved by the inside. Right? All the power being exercised in Paul's life is coming from an internal power of his calling. What is that? The Word of God and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That is the mystery, guys. You have the very Word of God and the very anointing of the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of you and it will grow you up it'll grow you up so walking in the spirit that's a great spiritual exercise and the word is the key the next thing meditating in god's word it's another big 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 scripture you're going to notice that a lot of these exercises they really overlap and they flow together, right? So let's go to Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. Meditating in God's word. In order to develop spiritual strength, 
You have to meditate in God's word. It is the only thing that will take you from being a hearer of the word to being a doer. Okay? It, 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 it's a flow. It happens automatically. It happens automatically. So let's look at Joshua. So now Joshua, he is his first commission as the leader of Israel, now that Moses is dead, is to do what Moses, the greatest leader in Israel, could not do. Take the people into the promised land. Why is that important to us as a believer? Because the children of Israel going into the promised land and obtaining their inheritance is a type in the Old Testament. It's an example to us of us laying hold of our inheritance. So in other words, you can see the pattern, you can see the principle, and you could learn how to lay hold of your healing, how to lay hold of finances. Don't ever think that your job is to provide your lifestyle. God wants to get you way beyond that. We're end time believers. Listen, jobs can go away, but God's provision for you will never go away. And you are never to decrease. I get excited about thinking about 2022. Because I'm telling you, we're going to see the glory of God in people's lives. It says, now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? God had to, God had to bury Moses. Because, you know, see, God is all about forgetting what's behind, let's move forward. Man, if, if, if Moses would have died and they would have know, known where the body was, they would have built a temple. They would have, you know, they would have wasted years, yeah. right, on, oh, my goodness. But so now God's just like, hey, listen, Mo's dead. Now, come on, Josh, we're going, right? Therefore, arise, go over this Jordan you and all this people unto the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. Look at what God says, verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness of this Lebanon, even to the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea towards the going down of the sun, shall be your coast." Verse 5, so he tells them, listen, I want you to go lay hold of this land. I've already given it to you. Here's the boundaries of it. And then he says this. Now listen, you've got to know this as you go in. There shall not any man be able to stand before you. In the Hebrew language, it means to stand before you and block you from going where God wants you to go. God's saying no man will ever stop you. Isn't that good news? This is a type. God's saying to you as a child of God, he says, I've given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. I've blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. And now I've got a plan and a purpose for your life. And nothing, no man can ever stop you. What are we talking about meditating in the word? Do you think Joshua... When he's walking around those walls of Jericho, first battle. You'd think God might have warmed him up a little bit. Nope, first battle, Jericho was the greatest city that they conquered. Yeah. 
100 foot walls, 50 feet deep, massive. Right? That's the first one. He's walking around the walls. And he's saying, well, Father, I thank you that no man will stand before me. You told me to take this city. You said this city's mine. As I'm walking on this land, every place that the sole of my foot is treading upon is mine. Thank you, Father, that no man can stand before me. No man can block it. No man can stop my healing. No man can stop me from increasing. No man, nothing. Right? Wow. It says, all the days of your life, no man will be able to stand and position in front of you to block you all the days of your life. That sounds a lot like 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Now thanks be unto God who always gives me the victory. 2 Corinthians 2.14 Now thanks be unto God that always causes me to triumph. That's, that's our... See, we got to meditate in that. All the days of my life. Why? Listen, Josh, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you. That means my power and my strength will never diminish. So God is literally saying, all of my power, I am the Almighty, and all of my power, it will never wane. It's all accessible unto you. It, it, sh- it said in the life of Joshua, he's in a battle, and they were winning, and the sun was going down, which when the sun went down, the, the armies would go back and they would recoup and then they'd come back and ba- battle again. And Joshua, no doubt, is remembering this and going, wait a minute, we're winning. Why put off for tomorrow what we can do? That We've got the advantage. He spoke to the sun and commanded it to stop. And it said that was the day that the God of heaven hearkened to the voice of a man. Now think about that. God didn't just stop the sun. He had to stop the whole universe. Joshua, my power and my strength will never diminish. And I'll never forsake you. That means I will never abandon you or desert you. Wow. See, Jesus, God the Father, abandoned and deserted Jesus on the cross, ever showing you that he will never abandon or desert you. said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? Why? Because he was taking your place. He sent his word and healed you. Matthew 8, 17 says that literally Jesus himself bore your sickness and carried your pain so you don't have to. The Father abandoned Jesus so that he has a legal right never to abandon you. Wow. Nor forsake you. So now it says that if you look at this in context, Because of verse 5, 
because God is saying no one will be able to block you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I'll be with you. I will never fail you. I'll never forsake you. Now, because of all of this, you can now do verse 6 through verse 9. So let's see what it is. The first thing he says, so now because of what I've just told you, now God is literally, now remember, everything that God says comes to pass. God's words are enablements. When God says to you, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, that literally is an enablement for you to do all things through Christ who strengthens you. If God manifested himself right now and said, right now, it's 8 o'clock Thursday morning, guess what? It would be 8 o'clock Thursday morning. Right? So now he's saying, Joshua, because of what I've said to you now, number one, you be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shall you divide for an inheritance the land which I swore unto their fathers to give them. First thing he tells them, so now be strong. Think about that. Sounds a lot like Ephesians 6.10. Be st- God is saying to you and I, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. It enables us to do it. Right? I love that. I mean, I remember there was a time in history where God said, light be. And do you know light is still being? Do you know the universe is still, they know this now, is expanding at the speed of light? And they could actually mathematically trace it all the way back. They know exactly where it started. They found particles. So when he says, I will meet all of your needs, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. All things are possible to you who believe. These are absolute truths, but you've got to live out of your spirit and you've got to meditate in the word of God. So keep following us here. It says here, you'll divide for an inheritance the land which I swore unto their fathers to give them. Verse 7, only be thou strong and very courageous. Whenever you see something where God says it more than once in a short period of time, this is is like God's going, hey, this is very important. Be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law. Now, all Joshua had was the law the first five books of of Moses. A New Testament believer, we could take this and go, only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do all the word of God. Do the word. Do it. God's saying, you're going to have to be strong and courageous to do it. And it says here, to observe to do. In the Hebrew language, you're going to have to be strong and very courageous so that you can observe yourself doing the word. You live from the inside. So you see yourself doing the word before you do it outwardly. 
And the only way to do that is you have to meditate in it. Because remember, you don't have to make this happen. The Word makes it happen. That's the cool thing. It's the Word of God that makes you strong. It's the Word of God that produces the harvest. It's the Word of God that heals your body. It's the Word of God that brings peace. The Word helps you overcome an addiction. Don't try to do that in your own strength. Because to overcome an addiction, first of all, you have to get out of the pride, the blindness of realizing that you, so that you could realize, first of all, you have an addiction. And then second of all, it takes care of the shame of the addiction. So now you know you're loved, you know you're clean, you see things as they really are, and all of a sudden on the inside of you, you see yourself walking free from alcohol. You see yourself no longer in a wheelchair. You see yourself walking inside. You see yourself jumping out of a wheelchair. You see your knee or your hip working good. How, do, how does that happen? The Word does that. Christ in you. That's the mystery. It's the hope of glory. It's Christ in you. It's, it's the presence of God in the person of the Holy Spirit and also in His power, His Word working in you. It says here, Only be thou strong and very courageous that you may observe yourself doing according to all the word of God, which Moses my servant commanded you. Turn not from it. Don't turn from the word. See, this is why you have to be strong. So you don't turn. Right? See, it turn what? Turn to the right hand. Well, Joshua would have absolutely known what he was talking about. God was talking about the right hand of wisdom. In other words, Josh, don't look for and don't run after length of days and long life. That's the right hand of wisdom. Or the left, don't, don't chase after the riches and the honor either. No, 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 don't do that. That you may prosper wherever you go. Isn't that amazing? God's saying, if you want to prosper, don't seek the riches and the honor. If you're sick, don't just seek the healing. Because you can't prosper that way. God's getting ready to tell us something big. But then he says in verse 8, he says, this book of the law, in other words, we could say it this way in 2021, the word of God shall not depart out of your mouth. Now remember, this is how you walk this out. The word, you know, here you are. You're not turning from the right hand or to the left. You're meditating in the word, Right? This is how you're walking it out. In other words, this is how you exercise. The word shall not depart out of your mouth. That means literally the word should always be in your mouth. You're not talking the problem. You're talking the answer, the word. Knox translation says, allow God's word to govern your utterance. I have a governor on my mouth. If you have a governor on your car that won't let you go over 80 miles an hour, if there's a governor on it, you can't go over 80 miles an hour. God is saying, allow my word to be a governor 
so that you can no longer speak anything but my word. You got to develop spiritual strength. We're talking about how to exercise. Every time you're like going, "Mm, I can do all things through Christ. What are you doing? You're exercising, right? It says, but you shall meditate. This word meditate means to mutter. Say over and over to yourself that you'll meditate in the word of God day and night. You only have to do it twice a day. Day and night, right? Why do you do that? That you may observe yourself doing according to all that is written in therein. How do I walk this out, pastor? I just, I just don't know what God's will for my life is. I don't know how to be led by the Spirit of God. Guess what? The Holy Spirit only testifies of Jesus, who is the Word. If you'll meditate in the Word, all of a sudden, you will know what to do. You'll start observing yourself doing it. You have all this junk going on on the outside, but man, your focus is on the Word of God. The Word of God starts working, and it will tell you what's you and what's not. It'll tell you to go here. You, it actually will show you what to do. That you may observe yourself doing according to all that is written therein. For then, now once this is happening, then you shall make your way prosperous. You'll do it. Well, you know, God's sovereign. If he wants this to happen, he'll just do it. Well, that's not what this says. That no-fault gospel doesn't work. That's not the word. You meditate in the word. You observe yourself doing it. And the word of God will give you the ability to make your way prosperous. Now remember, it's your way. Well, who made your way? God made your way. But, but you know, every believer, God's made a glorious life for them. But, but a lot of them don't walk it out. This is telling you how to walk it out. This is, you'll make your way prosperous. In other words, it'll teach you how to lay hold of everything that God's provided for you. In other words, God's word gives you the ability to make your way prosperous, right? Shall make your way prosperous. This Hebrew verb literally means to break forth. I love that. To prosper, to succeed. And what this Hebrew verb is giving you a picture of, it's giving you a picture of the Holy Spirit's effect on a person's life. In other words, he's propelling it. It's his power. He's effectively working in you with dunamis power. So while you're you're simply just working out what he's working in, it's a great way to live. Hallelujah. And then you shall have good success. See, you have to meditate. So now let's break it down. You have to meditate in the word day and night. Why? So that you're operating out of what you believe instead of operating out of what you're seeing, what you're feeling. Have you ever noticed? I feel this way. 
I'm thinking about this. I'm looking at this. I'm hearing this. That's confusion. Have you ever noticed that? Very quickly, you'll be like, okay. It's just, I'm just confused now. I'm depleted. Then, then he finishes up in verse 9 and he says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. He says it again. Don't be afraid, neither be dismayed. That word dismayed means neither be scared. Don't be afraid, don't be scared. Right? Why? Because the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go.